Hello, everybody. It's March 29th, and this is the One-Year Bible Tour. My name is David McAdam, pastor of New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, here in the United States. It is good to have you with us in our growing podcast community from all over the world. We're giving our attention to reading and hearing the Word of God as we read from Genesis to Revelation. Each day, we are making progress through the Bible and taking in the history of redemption, gaining the vocabulary of the Holy Spirit so as to understand more fully God's great plan of rescue that will be fully spelled out in the person and accomplishment of His Son, Jesus Christ. We are in the book of Deuteronomy, and Moses is speaking aloud the covenant originally made at Sinai in the ears of the next generation that will cross the river Jordan into the promised land. The Lord knows that we forget often what we've heard in the past, and we need to have it repeated. In the book of Genesis, we read about God's purpose for humankind in creation, how God made us for fellowship with himself. Then we learned about the horrific consequences of the rebellion of the creature against the Creator. In the book of Exodus, we read about God's great deliverance of a people that he chose to bring into a covenant relationship with himself and to whom he gives a revelation of his righteousness in the law of Moses. The necessary requirements for holiness are spelled out in the book of Leviticus, The history of ongoing rebellion and murmuring is given in the book of Numbers, and now in the book of Deuteronomy. You remember, Deuteronomy means the second giving of the law, or repetition of the law. He is reminding this new generation of their past history and also their present obligations as he repeats the law that was given at Sinai. So our reading begins in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 11, verse 1. You were created to love and serve the Lord. Verse 1. You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments always. And consider today, since I am not speaking to your children who have not known or seen it, consider the discipline of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his outstretched arm, his signs and his deeds that he did in Egypt to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to all his land. And what he did to the army of Egypt, to their horses, and to their chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea flow over them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord has destroyed them to this day, and what he did to you in the wilderness until you came to this place, and what he did to Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben, how the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households, their tents, and every living thing that followed them in the midst of all Israel. For your eyes have seen all the great work of the Lord that he did, You shall therefore keep the whole commandment that I give you today, that you may be strong and go in and take possession of the land that you are going over to possess, and that you may live long in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give to them and to their offspring, a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land that you are entering to take possession of it is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and irrigated it like a garden of vegetables." But the land that you are going over to possess is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water by the rain from heaven, a land that the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And if you will indeed obey my commandments that I command you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul, He will give the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the later rain, that you may gather in your grain and your wine and your oil. And he will give grass in your fields for your livestock, 
and you shall eat and be full. Take care, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will shut up the heavens, so that there will be no rain, and the land will yield to no fruit, and you will perish quickly off the good land that the Lord is giving you. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house, when you are walking by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, as long as the heavens are above the earth. For if you will be careful to do all this commandment that I command you to do, loving the Lord your God, walking in all his ways, and holding fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you, and you will dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. Your territory shall be from the wilderness to the Lebanon, and from the river, the river Euphrates, to the western sea. No one shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will lay the fear of you and the dread of you on all the land that you shall tread, as he promised you. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. And the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way that I am commanding you today to go after other gods that you have not known. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it, you shall set the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal. Are they not beyond the Jordan, west of the road, toward the going down of the sun, in the land of the Canaanites who live in the Arabah, opposite Gilgal, beside the oak of Morah? For you are to cross over the Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And when you possess it and live in it, you shall be careful to do all the statutes and the rules that I am setting before you today. Chapter 12. The Lord's Chosen Place of Worship These are the statutes and rules that you shall be careful to do in the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You shall surely destroy all the places where the nations whom you shall dispossess serve their gods, on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. You shall tear down their altars and dash in pieces their pillars and burn their asherim with fire. You shall chop down the carved images of their gods and destroy their name out of that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way, but you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name and make his habitation there. There you shall go, and there you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the contribution that you present, your vow offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and of your flock. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your households, in all that you undertake, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall not do according to all that we are doing here today, everyone doing what is right in his own eyes. For you have not as yet come to the rest and to the inheritance that the Lord your God is giving you. But when you go over the Jordan and live in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to inherit, and when he gives you rest from all your enemies around so that you live in safety, 
then to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. There you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the contribution that you present, and all your finest vow offerings that you vow to the Lord. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons and your daughters, your male servants and your female servants, and the Levite that is within your towns, since he has no portion or inheritance with you. Take care that you do not offer your burnt offerings at any place that you see, but at the place that the Lord will choose in one of your tribes. There you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I am commanding you. However, you may slaughter and eat meat within any of your towns, as much as you desire, according to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you. The unclean and the clean may eat of it, as of the gazelle and as of the deer. Only you shall not eat the blood, you shall pour it out on the earth like water. You may not eat within your towns the tithe of your grain, or of your wine, or of your oil, or the firstborn of your herd, or of your flock, or of any of your vow offerings that you vow, or your freewill offerings, or the contribution that you present. But you shall eat them before the Lord your God, in the place that the Lord your God will choose, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, and the Levite who is within your towns. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God in all that you undertake. Take care that you do not neglect the Levite as long as you live in your land. When the Lord your God enlarges your territory, as he promised you, and you say, I will eat meat, because you crave meat, you may eat meat whenever you desire. If the place that the Lord your God will choose to put his name there is too far from you, then you may kill any of your herd or your flock which the Lord has given you, as I have commanded you, and you may eat within your towns whenever you desire. Just as the gazelle or the deer is eaten, so you may eat of it. The unclean and the clean alike may eat of it. Only be sure that you do not eat the blood, for the blood is the life, and you shall not eat the life with the flesh. You shall not eat it, you shall pour it out on the earth like water. You shall not eat it, that all may go well with you and with your children after you, when you do what is right in the sight of the Lord. But the holy things that are due from you, and your vow offerings, you shall take, and you shall go to the place that the Lord will choose, and offer your burnt offerings, the flesh and the blood, on the altar of the Lord your God. The blood of your sacrifices shall be poured out on the altar of the Lord your God, but the flesh you may eat. Be careful to obey all these words that I command you, that it may go well with you and with your children after you forever, when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. When the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations whom you go in to dispossess, and you dispossess them and dwell in their land, take care that you be not ensnared to follow them after they have been destroyed before you, and that you do not inquire about their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? That I also may do the same. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way, for every abominable thing that the Lord hates they have done for their gods, for they even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. Everything that I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to it or take from it. And this is the end of our reading from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. Moses specifically addresses those in the crowd who are old enough to remember the beginning of their eventful journey from Egypt through the wilderness. 
They were teenagers or children at the time of the plagues and the Passover. They experienced firsthand the demonstrations of God's power against Pharaoh. They remember being delivered by the obedience of their faith in God's word that caused their fathers to put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. They remember the first time they saw the pillar of cloud by day and the fire within the cloud by night. They quickly followed their parents, making haste to leave what had been their homes from birth to join the exodus into the wilderness. They witnessed the parting of the Red Sea and their miraculous deliverance from the Egyptian armies that pursued them. They experienced God's power sustaining them, providing for them, guiding and protecting them during their long years in the desert. They saw with their own eyes God executing judgment upon those who rebelled against Him, even witnessing the death of their parents who complained about the food, the giants in the land, and the leaders whom God had appointed. To whom much is given, much is required. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. We must walk in the light of what God has shown us. We are accountable for the genuine experiences we have had in which God has made known His character and His mighty power. What is our first requirement? Moses lets us know, worship, our love for God, will be expressed by the way we heed His word and serve our brothers and sisters in the power of His love. Therefore, Moses says, keep every commandment, be careful to obey. Worship is expressed through obedience. Always keep His charge, His statutes, His ordinances. Chapter 11, verses 1 and 8. We are to listen to His commands and not turn aside from them. The first commands always have to do with worship. We are to have no other gods before us, nor do we let anything else become a substitute for Him. Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commands. Love one another as I have loved you. Everything takes its lead from the revelation of who God is. Our moral, social, political, economic, and spiritual life is derived from the central revelation of God's person. Our first command is to hear, to listen to what God says. What is our response to God's self-revelation in the Word? We worship. We love Him for who He is, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We love Him because He first loved us. We love Him with all He gives us of a capacity to love Him back. Next we read about the general promises a victorious and flourishing life in the appointed place. If you carefully observe these commands I am giving you to follow, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, and to hold fast to Him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you, and you will dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. Deuteronomy 11, 22-23, NIV translation. God promises that the fruit of the Israelites' obedience will be a victorious and flourishing life in the promised land. Deuteronomy has more to say about the appointed place for worship. Jesus had a religious debate with the woman he met at the well in Samaria. Remember that Samaria was in the promised land, but the Samaritans' history and worship were full of mixture and compromised obedience. Jesus confronted her with the hard facts that her people had not been worshiping in God's appointed place. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be His worshippers. God is spirit, and those who worship Him 
must worship in spirit and in truth. John 4, verse 20-24 The appointed place for worship is to be found in Christ. Only by being found in Him will we be able to appear before God as righteous. Only by being in Him can we come boldly before the throne of God. Only by being in Him can we worship on God's terms, with His terms of justice and His desire for mercy being satisfied. Only in Him can we worship in spirit and in truth. God does have a special plan for the land of Israel. He has not forgotten Jerusalem. We don't replace God's promises to Israel with His promises to the church. Since Christ's coming, His promise regarding the land is not rendered null and void, but the promised rest, the promised inheritance, and the appointed place we have in Christ is the substance of which the promised land and appointed place, that is Jerusalem, is a shadow. Jesus Himself announced at His coming, an hour is coming and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for such people the Father seeks to be His worshipers. John 4.23 We must deal with false places of worship in our lives. We are to tear down the altars in our affections that are devoted to competitors to the reality of God's perfect satisfaction in Christ. When God's people were obedient to His commands during the reigns of King Hezekiah and Josiah to destroy the altars and high places of false worship, there was national revival. True revival is always marked with deep repentance of recognizing and casting down our altars of self-worship. We need to obliterate the names of these false gods so we no longer call upon them with the false belief that they can save or satisfy us. But you shall seek the Lord at the place which the Lord your God will choose from all your tribes to establish His name there for His dwelling, and there you shall come. Deuteronomy 12, verse 5. In the book of Deuteronomy, we have the repetition of the idea embodied in this phrase, the place which the Lord your God will choose to establish His name there for a dwelling. We see this in Deuteronomy 12, verse 5, 11, 14, 18, 21, and 26. The Gospel of John informs us that Jesus is the place the Lord has chosen to establish His name in whom He dwells and to whom we are to come. He is the Word made flesh and tabernacling among us. John chapter 1, verse 14. Believers who identify with Him by faith, God positions in Him, and thereby, from God's point of view, everything that pertains to Him pertains to those who are found in Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. We cannot do our own thing when it comes to worship. You shall not do at all what we are doing here today, every man doing what is right in his own eyes. Deuteronomy 12, verse 8, NASB. We are not to worship according to our own private preference or to adapt false worship practices into our own. When the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations which you are going in to dispossess, and you dispossess them and dwell in their land, beware that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed before you, and that you do not inquire after their God, saying, How do these nations serve their gods that I also may do likewise? Deuteronomy 12, 29 and 30. Again, the last injunction we read in the Old Testament today sounds familiar. Don't edit the word, obey it. Be careful to listen to all these words which I command you, so that it may be well with you and your sons after you forever. For you will be doing what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 12, 28. Every day you are given a choice. Everyone must make a choice. 
Moses makes this clear throughout the book of Deuteronomy. Choose to worship God and keep his commandments and you will be blessed. Choose to turn away from God and his commands to follow the ways of other nations and other gods and you will experience a curse. Today he is giving us a choice. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. Deuteronomy 11.26 This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few that find it. Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. We come to life on God's terms, repentance of our sins and our attempts at self-salvation, and putting our trust in His appointed provision, the appointed substitute, the Savior of our sins. We cannot come through the wide gate of doing what is right in our own eyes. We must come through the narrow gate. We must come on God's terms that require nothing short of the perfect finished work of redemption accomplished by Jesus Christ. Choose Him who is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father, and no one comes to eternal life apart from Him. John chapter 14, verse 6 John chapter 3, verse 16. John chapter 17, verse 3. Remind your children of these promises. Parents and teachers in general, but fathers in particular, are enjoined to impress these words on their own hearts and those of their children. The word impress implies that one sharpens these truths, meditating upon them, thinking through their applications, and preparing to teach them so they can penetrate the hearts of children like arrows. Our children will be impressed if something has such a deep impression upon us. Notice that teaching involves a prepared heart and an exercised memory. Know well what you are going to teach. Deuteronomy 11.18 Be ready for teachable moments with young people. And it could be when you are sitting, walking, lying down, or getting up. Have visual reminders to reinforce the truth. You shall therefore impress these words of mine on your heart and on your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall teach them to your sons, talking of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, so that your days and the days of your sons may be multiplied on the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens remain above the earth. For if you are careful to keep all this commandment which I am commanding you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you, and you will dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. In Deuteronomy 11, verses 18 to 23. And now our reading from the New Testament The Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verses 22 to 39. Jesus calms a storm. One day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? 
and they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people from the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home, and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. And this is the end of our reading from the New Testament. In this reading, we read of two miracles. In the first miracle, Jesus calms the storm upon the Sea of Galilee, Luke 8, verses 22 to 25. In the second miracle, he calms the storm in the heart of a demon-possessed man living among the tombs, Luke 8, verses 26 to 39. In the first miracle, Jesus demonstrates his authority over the wind and the waves. His disciples asked one another, Who then is this that commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? In the second miracle, Jesus demonstrates his authority over a legion of demons, commanding them to leave the man and enter the swine. The man went away proclaiming throughout the whole city the great things that Jesus had done for him. Jesus not only rebukes winds, waves, and demons in this passage, but he also rebukes his disciples, saying, Where is your faith? These disciples were dealing with a crisis. From their point of view, the storm threatened everything, their mission as well as their lives. Jesus, the Son of God, creator of the universe, was sleeping as the storm waves were surging, and the boat started to take on water and was in danger of sinking. The disciples tried to wake him, crying, Master, we are perishing. Imagine how astonished the disciples were when Jesus rose up and rebuked the gale-force wind and the waves. They instantly stopped, and the Sea of Galilee became calm. Jesus made no comment about the boat, the preparedness of the crew, or how much water was taken on board. The only subject he had on his mind was the lack of faith present on board. This gives us perspective. Do you have faith on board? More importantly, do you have Christ on board? If you have Christ on board, that is where your faith should reside. The crisis can sometimes be so dramatic that the threatening winds and waves are all that gets the attention.
the result is fear. Be sure your faith is placed where it belongs, not in your own ability to handle the crisis, but in the one who is most worthy and capable to take command. And now we read from the book of Psalms, Psalm 70, verses 1-5, through to the choir master of David for the memorial offering. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be put to shame and confusion who seek my life. Let them be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let them turn back because of their shame who say, Aha! Aha! May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say evermore, God is great, but I am poor and needy. Hasten to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. Once again the psalmist is crying out to God from a place of suffering. He knows that his only hope for help is to be found in God, yet it seems to him that God is slow to answer his pleas. O God, hasten my help. The New Testament counsels us that God is not slow. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, verse 9 Nevertheless, God understands our cry for help. He knows how to interpret our prayers and remembers our frame. Psalm 103, verse 4 He knows that we do not see all things properly. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you, and let those who love your salvation say continually, Let God be magnified. Psalm 70, verse 4. And now our reading from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 4. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. Jesus reminds us, What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. The two become a one-flesh unit before God in marriage. This is why giving a fully consecrated self to your spouse is the greatest blessing that you can give to your marriage. To not do so will be deeply felt within. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and glorify you as the giver of every perfect gift. And what a gift we have in your Son. You have made him to be for us our appointed place. In Him we are able to worship you in spirit and in truth. In Him we have bold access to your throne of grace. He has shown us your glory and demonstrated your authority. And in His mercy He has granted us authority in His name to ask for anything according to your will. And so we make our petition today that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, and deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Amen. Isn't it encouraging that we can have this time together and read through the scriptures and ask God to speak to our hearts and to equip us for the day? We trust that this has been a benefit to you, and if you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us by writing the email at podcast at newlife.org. Or you can go to our website where you can also subscribe to a daily email written commentary on the daily passage of the One Year Bible. God bless you, and we look forward to sharing with you God's Word tomorrow. Shalom.